if you have your Bibles, let's go to Psalms 118. Psalms 118, verse 24 says this. You know this verse very well. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And folks, today I want to give you some information that we can say this every day that we get up. We can say, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And this morning, I want to give us, share with you some reasons why we can rejoice every day. I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning about the subject, the three greatest days in history. The three greatest days in history. Now, according to biblical dating, this world is approximately 6,020 years old. That means approximately 2.2 million days have passed since God created this world that we live in. And over the course of these 2.2 million days, there's been a lot of great days. We can say that. The day the Wright brothers flew the very first airplane at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, just down the road from us here, it was certainly one of the greatest days in history because their invention, it completely revolutionized travel and, and transportation all across the world. And then in July of 1969, when Neil Armstrong became the first human being to set foot on the, uh, the moon, that was certainly one of the great days in history. And I remember that very well. I was 12 years old then, and I remember watching it with my family and some relatives were there, and we watched it on a black and white TV. Um, maybe some of you guys remember that. And you also remember that black and white TV. You probably only got one channel, or you got three, but one was good. Two was kind of fuzzy. And if you had rabbit ears or an antenna, you could get all three of them if you knew how to turn everything just right. And that was back in the days at 12 o'clock sharp midnight, it went off. And it ended with the national anthem. You remember those days? What a blessing it was. But I remember when Neil, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world, how we could watch him from earth walking on the moon when I was 12. And what about Henry Ford when he invented the first automobile? You know, or Benjamin Franklin when he discovered electricity? Or Thomas Edison when he discovered the light bulb, or the day Jonas Salk discovered the cure for polio. You remember that? Maybe some of you still have the marks on your arm where you had the polio shot back in the day. Or the day the very first open heart surgery was performed. Or the day America gained her independence from the British. Well, all of these were certainly great days, but none of them none of them even come close to being the three greatest days in history. None of those days did. In our scripture, Psalms 118, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Well, I hope today that you're going to see we have every reason to rejoice in the three greatest days of history. Well, let's look at these great days, shall we? The first of our three great days in history is the day Jesus was born. The day Jesus was born. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke, and let's see what Luke has to say about this. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and following, and I'll read. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
This census took place while Quirinius was governor, was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, we all know that every day, hundreds of thousands of babies are born into this world. It happens every day. And some of these babies, they will grow up to be great doctors, some will grow up to be great teachers or, or great artists or, or great musicians or, or great athletes or great inventors. We know this will, will take place. But only one time in the entire history of this world was a baby born that was destined to become the savior of the world. Only one time and only one person. No other baby was born of a virgin. No other baby was born to live a perfectly sinless life. No other baby in all of history was born with the mission of saving the world. And we know that at the time that, that Jesus was born, three-fifths of the world's population were slaves when he was born. And at the time he was born, the world was under the oppression of the of the cold, ruthless Roman uh, government where women were treated like personal property and, and children were viewed as, as a burden. But Jesus changed all of that. When he came on the scene, things changed. He changed and he transformed the way the world viewed women and children. He tore down racial walls and social barriers. He gave hope to the hopeless, and he gave help to the helpless, and love to the unlovable, and forgiveness to sinners. And by his example, Jesus taught us that true greatness is found in humility and serving others rather than being served. You know, that's a story that this world needs to hear again today, don't you think? Yeah. No matter, uh, or, or no man, ever born in all of history has had more impact upon the world than Jesus Christ. No one. He's the subject of more books, more poetry, more literature, more music, and more art than any other human being ever lived or ever was born. So I think we can understand that um, why the day that Christ was born is truly one of the the three greatest days in history. We can see that. The second of our three greatest days in history was the day Jesus died for our sins. That was the second greatest day in history. Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, and we'll start with verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him 
And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now, normally, we don't think of the day of someone's death as a great day, do we? That's not generally the way we think. When we think of the day of one of our loved ones died, we certainly don't think um, as, as it was a great day. We don't look at it that way. Or when we think of the day a dear close friend or relatives died, we don't think of that day of their death as a great day. It certainly wasn't a great day when Abraham Lincoln died. It wasn't a great day when John F. Kennedy died. It wasn't a great day when those 3,000 plus souls in the terrorist attacks on September 11 um, died. That was not a great day. And there are certainly many things about um, the day that Christ died that weren't great. You know, the manner in which Christ died certainly was not great. When you go back and you read that account, you, you wonder, how in the world could that be great? That manner was not great. In fact, out of the, all the ways that a person could die, being nailed to the cross was certainly, um, it had to be one of the most painful and one of the most gruesome ways to go. But what makes the day of Christ's death one of the greatest days in history is what he accomplished that day. That's what was great about that day, through his death on the cross. You see, the death of Christ proves just how much God loves us. That is pretty exciting. John, the third chapter, verse 16, a verse you're familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the death of Christ paid for a salvation that we could not afford. That was another great thing that was accomplished that day. Romans, the fifth chapter in verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And the death of Christ made it possible for us to be reconciled with God. In Romans, the fifth chapter, starting in verse 9, it says, Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And the death of Christ made it possible for us to be forgiven of all of our sins. And this is pretty exciting. You know, we like, you know, we have a bad habit. The devil wants to rank our sins, one being worse than the other, you know. And he likes to get us into that trap. But let me tell you something. Sin is sin. Is there any good sin? No. Sin is sin. Well, look at Ephesians, the first chapter in verse 7. It says, In Him, talking about Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. So the death of Christ made it possible for us to be forgiven of all of our sins. Now that's pretty exciting because I think every one of us has some sin somewhere in our life we just have to question, can it be forgiven? It is so bad. But God died to forgive all 
of our sins. Or Jesus died to forgive all of our sins. And one more thing. The death of Christ made it possible for us to inherit heaven as our eternal home. In Ephesians, the third chapter and verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon, a preacher, he had written something on this particular section of, 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 of Scripture right here. And I'd like to read what he says. He said this. He said, when you see Christ going up the Mount of Doom, you see a man going there. When you see Christ hurled upon his back upon a wooden cross, you see the whole company of his elite there. And when you see the nails driven through his blessed hands and feet, it is the whole body of his church who there in their substitute are nailed to the tree. Now the soldiers lift the cross and dash it down into the socket prepared for it. Every one of his bones is dislocated and his body is thus torn with agonies that cannot be described. Tis manhood suffering there. Tis the church suffering there in the substitute. And when Christ dies, you are to look upon his death, not as his own dying merely, but as the dying of all those for whom he stood as the scapegoat and substitute. Now that's a, that's a mouthful. But when you start unpacking that, that's a sermon in itself. Folks, had Jesus not died on the cross, our lives would have no meaning. We would have no purpose. We would have no future. We would have no hope. And certainly we would have no joy. This is why the day that Jesus died is one of the greatest days in history because of what it accomplished for each of us. And third of our greatest days in history is this. The day Jesus arose from the dead. That's the third greatest day in history. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and starting with verse 12. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he is raised up in Christ whom he did not raise up. If, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Now what Paul is saying right here in these verses is simply this. If Christ did not resurrect from the dead as the scriptures tell us he did, then everything that we've believed, everything that we've ever preached, everything that we've ever taught, everything that we have hoped for is absolutely meaningless. Everything. Because you see, our whole Christian faith is built upon our belief in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Folks, that's where the rubber meets the road. 
That's the center point of our faith right there. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ did not raise from the dead, then his death and his burial have no meaning. If Christ did not really resurrect from the dead on the third day, he is no different than Buddha or Confucius or Muhammad because they're all still in their graves too. You see, if Christ did not really resurrect from the dead, you and I, we can kiss eternal life goodbye. We can kiss our heavenly home goodbye. We can kiss our, the hope of being with our loved ones again. We can kiss all of that goodbye. But, but, just as quickly as Paul posed this horrible fault here, he quickly dismisses it in the very next verse. Look at this beautiful verse. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Folks, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. Everything. Christ's resurrection means that you and I, we can face our own death with hope and confidence. Jesus says in John, the 11th chapter, starting verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And Christ's resurrection also means that we can face the death of our Christian loved ones and friends with hope and confidence knowing that we will see them again on that glorious resurrection morning. Folks, that's pretty exciting. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting with verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Folks, that's pretty exciting. What a promise that is. So, let me say again. It was a great day when Jesus was born. It was a great day when Jesus died for our sins. It was a great day when Jesus arose from the dead. And while we're bringing this message to a close, I want to say this. These three greatest days in history have meaning to me and you personally. Because the greatest day of your life and the greatest day of my life are connected to the three greatest days in history. You see, during the course of your lifetime and my lifetime, you've had many great days in this life. And I'm sure you've also had more than your share of not so great days too. You know, that comes along with it. But it was a great day when you were born. It was a great day when you spoke your very first words or, or maybe you took your very first steps. That was a great day. It was a great day when you started to school. And it was a great day many years after when you graduated from school. The day you got your driver's license, in most cases, that was a great day. The day you got married, that was a great day. The day you had each of your children and grandchildren, that was a great day, and you can attest to that. 
you see. And the day you retired, that was a great day. But if you live to be a thousand years old, you will have no greater day in your life than the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the great day in your life. We've had some great days in history, but the greatest day in your life is the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, that decision that you made, it was the wisest, most important decision you'll ever make in your entire lifetime. There is no decision any greater than that. Folks, that gets it right down to the lowest common denominator, right there. That is where the rubber meets the road. Maybe there's someone here this morning who's never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you've thought about it for a long, 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 long time and you've wrestled with the decision and you just don't know and you kind of put it off and, and you know, the devil helps you to put it off and then God kind of brings that back to your attention again and it's just plaguing you. Why delay any longer? Why not make today the greatest day of your life by coming this morning to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Why not do that? You see, that's something that only you can decide. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. And for the three greatest days in history, we just give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. And we thank you for those. And Father, because of those, we want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to have the greatest day of our life is when we accepted that. Father, if there's anyone here this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit would lean on them and make their life miserable until they decide to accept you as their Savior. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.